Welcome to the Fix Your Watchers podcast, where I own Stefan. Our mission is to equip, encourage, and exhort individuals through apologetics, fellow prophecy, and discipleship while emphasizing the gospel message. Pray that you are blessed by today's episode. Welcome everyone to Fig Tree Watchers. This is the End Times Chronology podcast as we begin our new episode here entitled The Millennial Reign. And what does it all mean, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, how you doing, Ayo? Doing good. I like the way you introduced it. It's like very suspenseful and dramatic. Even with your pause, you're like, the millennial, right? <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. your intro there, buddy. <laughs> You know, uh, did you have a good week, man? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had a good yeah. week. Uh, yeah, good week working, uh, just working on, you know, uh, stuff for the ministry, obviously posting the podcast episodes. You're doing Ephesians series. That's great. I'm busy with work as well. Um, how about yourself? It had a great week. And by the way, you brought up the Ephesians podcast. I just want to say thank you to everyone. The feedback mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. Yeah. Um. Oh, we are so encouraged by that. And as Romans Chapter one says, we want to encourage you as you're encouraging us in the faith. And we want you all to know that your feedback is so important because this is about your, this this ministry is about people. Yep, It's about reconciling people to Jesus Christ. And we want to thank you for the opportunity of joining us here as always on these podcasts. And uh, we have an exciting one tonight uh, for you all, but why don't we begin in prayer? Yeah, sounds good and do that. Uh, Father, we just thank you for the week that you guided us through, Lord. We thank you for bringing us now to June. We've uh, just crossed uh, the halfway mark of the year, and that's uh, very surprising, Lord. We just, it just felt like we started 2023 just yesterday, and now we're halfway through the year. Uh, so we just thank you for your guidance. We thank you for provision thus far. We thank you for your blessed brother Stefan and I in this ministry, for the wisdom you've given us, the, the growth we've seen, Lord. It's all you. Uh, so we just uh, dedicate this night to you as usual. We just pray that your Holy Spirit guides us in whatever we'll be saying, that we stick to your word, that we speak truth, Lord, that you simply use us as a mouthpiece to communicate truth, uh, to encourage uh, your children, and to share the gospel to those who do not know Christ yet. As we commit um, everything to you, Lord, pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, Ayo, why don't you give us a background of what happened uh, in uh, the past episodes that we've talked about here on End Times Chronology? Yeah. And uh, we'll go, we'll uh, start with that. Yeah. So for you guys who have been following us throughout this series thus far, End Times Chronology, uh, or chronologically, or chronologically rather, however you want to put it, um, we've basically been talking about eschatological views. So we've first been diving into that to give you kind of a background uh, and then, you know, lay that foundation for what we're going to be touching on. So the first two episodes was preterism. So we focused on full preterism, partial preterism. Uh, we d- we dissected those two. Um, those uh, those were good episodes, lengthy episodes. If you haven't checked them out, go to our website, go to iTunes, wherever you get podcasts, listen to those. And now we're going to be focusing on the millennial view. So we'll touch on amillennialism, postmillennialism, premillennialism. Uh, quickly talk about the different rapture views, and then after we give a basic uh, basic definition of what the views are. Um, then we will um, just talk about why do we why we don't agree with the millennials and postmillennials and problems we have with them from a scriptural uh, standpoint. Um, so the first we will decide, dissect is amillennialism, and we have a few definitions here. I got some stuff from Blue Letter Bible, and Brother Stefan had his reference as well, so I'll go through mine first. So essentially, what you need to know about the millennial kingdom, and we can dedicate. I mean, we can literally dedicate many episodes to just one view. We could talk about lots of five episodes, you know. So, but we can. 
we can only do, you know, just, just give you guys the basic watered down version of what they are. So we definitely encourage you to definitely dig into this, use it as a launching platform for your own personal study. Uh, but amillennialism is basically the view that the millennial kingdom is not a literal 1,000 year reign of Christ on earth. Uh, those who believe this. Wait, view, wait, I, what do you mean by not literal? Yeah, they allegorize it. So when we go to the book of Revelation, Revelation 20, uh, we see six different times, I believe, where we see, for example, it says that Satan was bound with chains, then sealed for a thousand years, that the the dead in Christ will be raised and rule and reign for, with Christ for a thousand years. So people like me and Brother Stefan, who are pre-millennial in our view, believe that that's literal, that that is a literal 1,000 year period of time, whereas the post-millennialists and amillennialists, as we will see later, say, well, no, that's not a literal 1,000 years. It's just a symbolic for a long period of time. Um, so that's what we mean by that. They allegorize that. Uh, you guys can't see it here on audio, but when I said allegorize, Brother Stefan was like, <laughs> he, that's like a cuss guy. word to me. That's a cuss word to me. Allegorizing scripture. You're just you're just cussing back. against God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So we we are very against it. If you guys have followed us for a long time on our IG lives on on West Coast Gospel or on Instagram, you guys know that we are staunchly against those views. But just to get back yeah. real quick, just yeah. real quick. One of the reasons why I'm so against it mm -hmm. was because when you start allegorizing, where do you stop? Yeah. Okay. Um, Augustine, who is celebrated by both Protestants and Catholics, made the statement that the book of Jonah was not to be believed because it was an allegorical tale. It was figurative in language, right? But here's a problem. Jesus said it actually happened. He said, yeah. as Jonah was in the belly of a great fish, so I will be in the ground for three days, right? And rise again. He then said to the Pharisees, describing the fact that the people of Nineveh who repented will sit in judgment over them in the last days. So yeah. wait, Jesus is saying it's a factual story. It actually happened, that the events were true. And yet Augustine's like, no, it's not true. Yeah. So who do I believe, Jesus or Augustine? I yeah. choose to believe Jesus and exactly. believe that scripture is literal. Exactly. Yeah, and that's one of the major things that we're going to get into. Um, this will be a part two of, a, of the a series we're doing, right? This mini series we're doing on the millennium, but we'll get into how they allegorize scripture and how it creates a really weird interpretation of scripture. Because just like Brother Stefan said, once you start this path of allegorizing, saying that, well, that's symbolic. And we have examples of how they go to Revelation 7 with the 144,000. It's not, you know, they say it's not literally 12,000 men of, of the 12 tribes of Israel sealed. It means something else. It's a higher spiritual truth. Where does it stop? Um, so that's the problem there. Um, but just to get back into this uh, definition of amillism, as I said earlier, they believe that the people who believe this view believe that the millennial kingdom is not a literal thousand-year reign of Christ we talked about. Um, we get that from Revelation 20, that time period specifically. Um, so those who believe this view believe the millennial kingdom in this spiritual form begin at Christ's resurrection is manifested in the hearts of saints in heaven or on earth. They also believe that instead of Christ reigning here on earth, he is now seated on the throne of David with the church age being the kingdom that he's reigning over. Um, so again, a lot of issues there. Um, so Blue Letter Bible, so they have like a little article here on this view. According to Blue Letter Bible's four views on the millennium, they say this. They say the amillennialist believes that the kingdom of God was inaugurated at Christ's resurrection, at which point he gained victory over both Satan and the curse. Christ is now even now reigning at the right hand of the Father over his church. After this present age has ended, Christ will return immediately usher the church into their eternal state after judging the wicked. The term, quote, amillennialism is actually misnomer, for it implies that Revelation 20 
verses 1 to 6 is ignored. In fact, the Amillennialist hermeneutic interprets it, and in fact, much of apocalyptic literature, non-literally. The prefix a or a and the name amillennialism means no or not. Therefore, the name means no millennium. And Blue Letter Bible kind of specifies there because I think when you hear amillennialist or amillennialism, people believe uh, that basically they don't believe in a millennial reign of Christ. And that's not exactly true. So we have to be careful about that. We talk about these views, we don't believe in them, but we don't want to misrepresent their view. Um, so they don't turn around and misrepresent our view, right? We don't like when people misrepresent the preacher view or the premillennialism view. So we want to be respectful yeah, of their view. <laughs> so we want to be respectful of their view, but still say we don't believe that. Um, so they, it's not that they don't believe in the millennium. They just allegorize the way. They spiritualize it. They don't believe it's literal. So, and I know you have another quote concerning millennials that helps us define what it is too. Yeah, and in the in the spirit of following Deuteronomy, a matter is confirmed by two or more witnesses. Mm -hmm. We want to give you one more witness that is saying the same thing, but in, in a different way. Um, and this is from the uh, Zondervan Pictorial Encyclopedia of the Bible, Volume Fancy. One. Page 129, yes, because we have to get scholarly here. Oh, yeah. Watchers. Um, millennials is described by Floyd E. Hamilton as a view that Christ's millennial kingdom extends from his resurrection from the tomb to the time of the second coming on the clouds at the end of the age. So, in other words, what they're saying is we're in the millennial reign of Christ. Yep. And what I always end up saying to that is, really? Things are getting better? Yeah. Oh, you mean homosexuality's gone no one's trying to rape children anymore and and abortions overturned we're in the millennial reign of christ everyone and it's Start a peaceful dancing. time there's no peaceful war time. yep no no war no rumors of war right yep yeah okay so that's why i look at that and kind of want to go hogwash yeah yep. all right and, and so what's you know, post-millennialism and just know. to just to go back to this quick before i would go into post because i just remember um bible teachers bible prophecy teachers who we look to who we, you know, love looking at and, and listening to people like Jack Hibbs. They when they comment about this, they say they say very clearly, okay, if this is the millennium, uh, then it doesn't look like Jesus Christ is doing a very good job, right? Because we know the Old Testament prophecy about how there's gonna be peace and everything. We know that once he sits on the throne of David, which is a literal throne, it's gonna be in a literal location, Jerusalem, not in heaven, uh, it's gonna be peace. He's gonna be doing a great job. So they kind of make that joke tongue in cheek, saying that wow, this is the millennium. Jesus isn't really doing a good job. Obviously, that wouldn't be the case. Jesus is perfect. He's God. Of course, he'd be doing a good job. Therefore, what they're saying is that this isn't the millennium. Um, so, yeah, that was just a great point there. And, yeah, so so it's a divine— uh, That is—I yeah. just got to say, that is an, a brilliant point, and I think mm -hmm. this is one of the big issues that we take exception to preterism, both partial and full and omnism, yeah. is in the end what they're really doing is mocking God. Mm -hmm. they're, they're mocking God and saying, yeah, this is the millennial reign. And— I think that's horrific. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you got to be. Do not be there. deceived, for God is not mocked. What a man sows in his heart, that he will also reap. Yeah, and, and keep that in mind, everyone. So, to divine uh, the post-millennium view, the millennium, in their view, is an era, not a little thousand years. So, it's very similar to amillennialism, but it does have its differences. So, in this view, the millennium is an era, not a little thousand years, during which Christ will reign over the earth, not from a literal and earthly throne but through the gradual increase of the gospel and its parts change lives. After this gradual Christianization of the world, so they think that the gospel is going to increase uh, throughout the world, the world's going to grow more and more Christian. After this gradual Christianization of the world, Christ will return and immediately usher the church into their eternal state after judging the wicked. And again, this is four views on the millennium um, from Blue Letter Bible. 
Uh, so this view is called post-millennial zone because it placed the return of Christ after the millennium. So essentially through the spreading of the gospel here in this, I guess, quote unquote, millennial reign on the earth, we give God the kingdom. So he essentially build the kingdom. And then when Christ comes back, we hand the kingdom to him. And so under post-millennialism, we're not going to get into depth right here, but Brother Stefan probably knows where I'm going to. Uh, under post-millennialism, you get, you get views like Dominion Now, that we, like, you know, the seven mountain mandates and things like that, that we have to take these different spheres of earth or into, like, you know, entertainment, business, politics, things like that. Uh, not that we shouldn't be, you know, active in those areas, but they believe that we have to um, have influence over those areas, growing influence, take it over with Christianity. And then through doing that, we basically make God's kingdom here on earth and we hand God the kingdom. That's not true. God builds the kingdom himself. You know, it's kingdom now theology. Now, a lot of you are probably going, where did this break down? Uh, where did this come from, amillennialism, postmillennialism? Well, it really started um, with in about the middle 300s, starting with Eusebius, Origen. Um, Origen was big in as Eusebius was. Uh, and they came from what we call false doctrine, Arianism, uh, heavily involved in it. And then Augustine became a big believer of amillennialism because he believed in the figurative language and allegorization of, of the scripture. Um, a lot of people want to say that that people argue that Asubius was pre-trib rapture kind of view. No, he wasn't. He was an amillennialist, and um, almost every pre-trib rapture guy I know states that, um, and... Uh, even though there's a guy on Twitter screaming that we believe that, we don't actually mm -hmm. believe that. We believe that, yeah, Asubius was anomalous. In fact, he borderlines. You could almost argue that he was the father of preterism, um, but he doesn't quite go that far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that background knowledge, because it is, it is important to also talk about where these views come from. And unfortunately, the lasting impact it's had in Christendom, even you know, over a thousand years later, unfortunately, it's something we have to deal with. Um, so the last view here that we'll touch on is premillennialism. So this is the view that we believe in. Uh, this is the view, whether you know you know the name or not, likely if you're listening to this, you believe in this view. If you believe in one of the rapture views, you're a premillennialist. And we'll go into the rapture views quick as well. We won't spend too much time on those. But in premillennialism, um, it's basically the view, like I said earlier, that 1,000-year reign of Christ that we believe it's literal here on earth. Uh, those who believe this view believe that Jesus Christ will come back after the tribulation, set up his literal 1,000-year kingdom on earth, which will reign with him on earth. So we will reign with them on earth after the tribulation. So that's what distinguishes those two views, where they say that, no, 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 we're in the kingdom now, and then afterwards, Jesus Christ will come back, and then it's going to be the eternal state. But the Bible shows us, in my opinion, in both Stefan's opinion, I firmly believe it's a different picture. Uh, so this view is called premillennialism because it places the return of Christ before the millennium. Um, so we also have to note again that it's under these this view of premillennialism that we get the four different rapture views. Um, so the four different rapture views that you guys know already, pre-trib, um, they all center around the tribulation, which you guys know as well, seven-year period where God's wrath will be poured out on the world. Uh, the pre-trib rapture view states that we will be taken out of the earth before the tribulation. That's the view that Brother Stefan and I adhere to. That's the view that we'll be using to make this case of this end times chronology or end times timeline. The mid-tribute states that basically we'll be on the earth for half of it, 3.5 years, and then we'll be taken away after that. The pre-wrath view states they'll be, they'll be in the tribulation for about like two-thirds of it. They call pre-wrath because they reference often the bull judgments, which state that 
the bold judgments at the completion of the wrath of God. So they believe we'll go through the seal judgments, trumpet judgments, but we'll be taken, you know, out of the earth before the wrath of God, aka the bold judgments. So they don't believe that the first two thirds or so are God's wrath, which is, <laughs> which is funny to me. Um, Post trib, the last one. Uh, that's the view that um, we actually go through the whole seven year period of the tribulation, then we're raptured after. Uh, so those are the four views. Again, we won't go through that in depth right now. Uh, we've actually done some studies on the millennium in the past uh, on IG. So we will link those studies to our show notes. Um, and I've done, you know, some articles. We've, we've done some stuff on it as well. So if you want more information of that, you guys can dive into that. In fact, uh, you just posted an article up on our Instagram feed about the um, tribulation up on there uh, today. Yeah. So uh, you can go on Instagram and check out um, the the link there and on the story today. And uh, I think he'll repost it again tomorrow now that I brought this up because stories on the last like 24 hours. Yeah. But uh, you can link on it and go straight to our website or you can read the articles right there at figtreewatchers.com. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so... Uh, We've talked about the millennial on on a lot of our Saturday apologetic episodes. We've talked about um, it back in December fourth and eighteenth of two thousand twenty one, um, and entitled the millennial uh, number uh, uh, part one and part two. Yeah. So we have a lot of that information that's out there, as you mentioned. Um, so the first two views uh, of the amillennial and postmillennial have a few issues. Right. Right. So it's amillennialism and. Uh... Yeah, so they have a few issues, and I know you're going to get into that right now, right? Right. Um, j just real quick on your on your aspect of it, what do you, would you say are two quick things that you think about? Well, I think the biggest one I think about is this, the interpretation of Scripture. So we talk about the allegorization, not taking things literally. So the example I gave, which is a very easy example, which we see commonly with these guys, is that they go to Revelation 7. They look, and you know, that's, and I bring up that example a lot because it's just so obvious, like, there's no interpretational difficulty there. Revelation 7 just makes it clear. Um, uh, the, the God's people, 144,000 men, 12,000 men from each of the 12 tribes of Israel, they're sealed on their foreheads. That's it. You know, something as simple, simple as that. You know, you don't have to ask, well, what does that mean? It's just, it's, that's, that's lit. That's what it means. They're sealed. Right. But they yeah. totally spiritualize that. They add some crazy meaning to it. So again, that's one issue with the interpretation of Scripture. Um, Great. another area of interpretation of scripture is the God's promises to the Jews, right? They said that brings up, opens the door to replacement theology, which we'll get into the second episode. They also, you know, per pervade these different views, not just preterism. And then another reason that I would state that, uh, these views have problems, um, is because it changes the mission of the church. And I think, um, Dr. Annie Woods, I, I love Dr. Annie Woods. He does a great job in his book, um, the coming kingdom, I believe it's called. Uh, where he makes a case that, because, you know, as you guys are listening to this, some people might be asking the question, I think it's a good question. Why does this matter? Why does it matter what view I hold? Oh, we're going to get into that. Why does it matter if, you know, I? why does it matter if my friend holds a post-millennium view or whatever? Why, do, why does that matter? I think that's a good question. Because it changes not only your whole perspective of the of scripture, what you believe about eschatology changes everything about what you believe about the rest of Absolutely. scripture. But it also changes your mission. So if you are a post-millennialist and you believe, you know, we have to take the seven mandates of the kingdom, whatever, we have to build God's kingdom now, your your view, your mission, what you're going to be praying for, what you're going to be seeking the Lord for, uh, how are you going to be rearing and lead, leading your family and whatnot, that's all going to be geared towards this post-millennial dominion now, kingdom now mandate. And if it's not scriptural, you're wasting your time. 
Versus yeah. if you're pre-millennial, you probably understand that, okay, Lord's coming. Uh, I could be gone today. I better share the gospel. I better be about Lord's business. And I'm not saying that people who are on millennial, post-millennialism um, don't, aren't, aren't driven to share the gospel. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that it changes your whole view on scripture. It changes what your goal, what your drive is going to be in life. Um, so that's very important. I, I, I think that that's clear. In fact, one of the things I think we get from Paul is that the Christian is to walk in Christ Jesus as they carry out the mission mm. instead of post-millennialism carrying out the mission for Christ Jesus. It's a difference. We're walking in Christ Jesus to mm. carry out his mission, you know, to, yeah. to do the work. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. It, 27 times in the book of Ephesians, it, it tells us about living in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. I think that that's the big deal there. Hey, so let me break it, break the big one down for you, I think. Er, earlier when I referenced Floyd on homilism, he also believes that at no time will Christ reign on the earth in Jerusalem, on the earth, right? Christ's kingdom is not of this world, but he reigns, I don't know, ESP, uh, he reigns especially, spiritually, yep. you know, in the hearts of his people and on earth, right, for a thousand years. The perfect, complete time between the two comings of Christ. And, and this is what he writes in that encyclopedia uh, from Zondervan, um, and that's on page 129 in their volume one. So this implies that the following the second coming of Jesus, there will be only one resurrection of the dead and one judgment. This denies the possibility of the literal prophecy through the beliefs that don't add up in Scripture. How do you explain Christ ruling on the earth? How do you explain the Bema Seat judgment, the returning of saints with new bodies? Yeah. Uh, how do you explain all this if you're holding to this amillennial view that just believes in one resurrection at the dead at the end of what? At the end of what? Thousand years? Because that's there has to be a thousand years for that one resurrection of the dead. Where's the tribulation saints being risen from the dead? Where's yeah. the church age uh, saints being resurrected from the dead. So, for example, we focus on this resurrection of the dead because all millennials universally agree that there is one resurrection of the dead. One scholar, uh, Gerhaus Voss, makes this statement. The New Testament confines the event of the resurrection to a single epoch and nowhere teaches as Kellyism assumes a resurrection in two stages. One, at the parios of saints or martyrs, and a second one at the close of the millennium. Although the doctrine of the temporary messianic kingdom preceding the consummation of this world is of pre-Christian Jewish origin, it had not been developed in Judaism to the extent of assuming a repeated resurrection. The entire resurrection is always placed at the end. And that's according to his scholarly work, Eschatology of the New Testament, Gerhaus of Voss. I'm sorry. I had to put it in a German accent because <laughs> it sounded like that's something, you know, only a German would do. Yeah. Um, but scripture actually indicates the opposite. Daniel prophesied about his resurrection at the end of the tribulation. Um, listen to Daniel 12, 1 through 2. At the time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people. Whose people? The Jewish people. Jewish people. And he's talking to Daniel, right? Daniel's people, Jewish. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never uh, was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people shall be delivered. 
everyone who is found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. So he's telling them at the end of the tribulation, his people, Daniel and himself, will raise from the dead. In fact, Isaiah says the same thing in Isaiah 26, 19, that he'll be risen from the dead. So we can understand this, right, Io? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I want to interject this quick. And it's it's interesting that he makes the point. He tries to make the case that um, messianic thought before Christianity, so pre-Christian thought at the time, was only one resurrection. And he's correct about that. And that's actually a point that apologists, you know, Christian apologists will use to make the case for just resurrection, right? That they could not, the Jews could not have made up the resurrection story because they did not believe in one man resurrecting within history. They believed in one resurrection at the end of history. However, I think the problem with him making that argument is that he assumes that because the Jews believe that, I would say incorrectly, that that's then therefore multiple resurrections is false because that's not the case. You can't make that case. Um, just because there is an earlier idea doesn't mean that idea is necessarily true. Um, so I just want to point that out there in his statement because that's a logical fallacy, actually. Um, but I think the correct view here is that they did have that view. Then the New Testament kind of enlarge, expands upon that, right? That's why Paul, in the New Testament, when he talks about the rapture and the resurrection within the rapture, he says this is a mystery, something veiled, um, now revealed, right? Um, so this is a mystery, the rapture, the resurrection. We know that the rapture is going to happen, which is a completely different thing than the resurrection of, of the dead after the tribulation, and then eventually um, before at the great white throne judgment. So we see those things there. And I kind of just wanted to piggyback off the Daniel 12 uh, chapter, because that's such a good chapter that dwells into the tribulation. Um, so because of Daniel 12, verse 7 here, I'll just read it quick and then kind of talk about what I want to talk about here. Uh, it says, Then I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for a time, times and half a time. And when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Why that's important is because time times half the time in the book of Revelation is repeated. It's the three and a half years of the tribulation. Why well, we mentioned that is in connection with the resurrection, right? Uh, when you go to 11 verses 11 to 13, it talks about this timing of 1,335 days. There's a 75-day period between the tribulation and the millennial kingdom of Christ. And Daniel 12 goes into this. So for someone to say that, oh, there aren't these multiple resurrections, and, and they kind of, you know, in Amillennialism and Postmodernism, they, they deny this tribulation view. Well, how do you account for this day, these day periods of time, you know, that were given? Time times half a time, the, the 1,335 days and things like that. Where, where does that fit if the millennium isn't true? If the millennium is allegorical, see, and this is where it gets some problems. If the millennium is allegorical and this relates to the millennium, you have to allegorize this time times half a time. You have to allegorize this 1,335 days or it won't fit here. Um, so this is very important. And then to continue on with the Daniel 12 thing, uh, Daniel's told that from the bondmission and desolation, there'll be a total of 1,335 days. So we, we saw that. Um, this is important because those dates center on the events that happened during the tribulation. Chief of this, in, in context here, would be the resurrection of the dead. Um, so that's just important there. So I just wanted to interject there, but you can you can continue on. I, I think that that's an important part. If the resurrection doesn't happen at that specific point in time, when is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you've done that in absolute detail. Look, then this scripture, uh, I think is important. And I saw the thrones and they that sat on them and the judgment was committed to them. 
Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast uh, or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years was finished. This is the first resurrection. Notice he's giving you specifics here. He's not allegorizing anything. He's saying these will be raised up before the thousand years and then the rest of the dead at the end of the thousand years. Yeah. And this is so specific to understand. How can you allegorize that? And this is a major problem for post-millennialism, all-millennialism, preterism, partial preterism. It really is. It's an issue. Mm -hmm. Because when you start looking at this from a partial preterism point of view, which we went over the last couple of episodes, you you got to go, okay, there's multiple resurrection of the dead. That totally crushes everything I, I believe in my eschatology. Yeah. And uh, I think it's important. Look, read Revelation 24, uh, 20 verses 4 through 5 for yourself. Read it. Tell me when you read it, you don't see it. And by the way, in detail, here's something I, I just want to want to point out to you. Mm -hmm. It says that those who were raised up were those who were beheaded for their witness. When were they beheaded? Where's the church? Yeah, where's the, the church? church? Yeah, where's the church? Where's the church? It's talking about tribulation saints, tribulation saints. only. So the tribulation only has there. to be literal too. Right. So, so it, it, it's telling you beheaded. Yeah. And those who took the mark. What yep. mark? Yeah. The mark. When did that happen? <laughs> On where? So, Their forehead? So the problem. <laughs> because it's, it's like so it's specific. So, it's so, so literal. interwoven. It's so interwoven. So you you just can't. So it's so interwoven. You have to be careful there. But but yeah. And I know you have a last quote here that you wanted to touch on as well to kind of emphasize your point. Look, here's a, here's a quote. Um, it's uh, from May 2009, The Unscriptural theolo Theologies of Amillennialism and Postmillennialism. It's by... Dr. Thomas Ice. Mm -hmm. Another hurdle that Amelius need to overcome was that Revelation 24 through 6 speaks of the multiple resurrections, which we just covered. Yep. Uh, this cannot be if anti-millennialism was to gain a foothold. It was the Donalist theologian Tychonius who suggested an allegorical interpretation of Revelation 20. Uh, and then it was Augustine adopted that from Tychonius, mm -hmm. the interpretation of Revelation 20, and produced the earliest form of amillennial theology. Thus, Augustine, in his book, um, uh, The City of God, was actually the first to spell out a positive statement of amillennialism, which at the same time produced some insipid principles upon which postmillennialism would later arise. Mm -hmm. So... As I mentioned, this came from, you know, Eusebius, Origen, and Augustine allegorizing scripture, the manipulation of scripture, and yeah. it led to all this, and kind of a scary thing. What are your yeah. final thoughts, Io? Yeah, I mean, I think we've, we've said a lot about it. We've, I, I feel like I just be repeating myself, right? Because again, the, the problem we see in this is the interpretation of scripture. And we just saw that with Revelation 20, verse, uh, verses 4 to 5, we saw that, hey, these people, these believers that were in the tribulation, obviously— they're being resurrected. They're beheaded. Well, or when does the beheading happen? In the tribulation. They didn't take the mark of the beast. Well, when does that happen? During the tribulation. So we see not only that there's resurrect, multiple resurrections, and so that has to be literal. Um, we see that the tribulation has to be a literal time period as well because it relates to when these people were killed. Um, so that is so important. So that means that you can't allegorize it. And, you know, earlier you talked about 
um, what this means essentially. If you're amillennialist and you're postmillennialist and you're analogizing God's word, I go as far as to say you're essentially calling God a liar, especially when it comes yes. into yes. Um, replacement theology, right? When you're saying, no, no, God's done with the Jews. We've taken uh, you know, the blessings of the church. Well, when God said he's going to give such and such things to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's descendants, land, blessing, things like that. You're saying that, no, 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 he's not going to do that. He's going to actually give that to the church. You're essentially saying God's a liar, that he's not He's not being truthful with what he said. And that's not something we can say. Um, so whether, so if you're a millennialist or post-millennialist and you're probably saying that, no, 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 I don't believe that. Well, essentially, if you are allegorizing these things, that's what you're implicitly standing for. And that's what we're trying to argue against. And that's important. Look, the, the solid Christian believes that God never changed. He does not change like the shifting of shadows, as James says. If his prophecies about the first coming of Jesus were literal and they all came true literally, which they did, mm. then you can trust that the prophecies of the second coming are literal as well. Yeah, uh, And you can trust that the prophecies of Israel are literal and which, oh my goodness, over 40 of those have been fulfilled. So it, it, it's a deep understanding to... God uses prophecy for us to be able to put our trust in him and believe him yeah. so that we know that our life is secure in Jesus Christ. It's the hope of glory, the, the blessed hope that we can comfort one another with these words, mm -hmm. that we can trust that our internal salvation in Jesus Christ is fixed once and for all on the cross with the blood that Jesus shed and that our, our lives are sealed by the Holy Spirit for the day of redemption. And this promise we can trust because God is literal in his prophecies. He's demonstrated over and over again, and he will fulfill everything to his will, as everything. Thessalonians says every at the end of the dot and tittle. Yes. Yeah, every sentence, every letter. Yep. Will be fulfilled. So um as we're closing up this podcast, Io, um I I I really want to say to everyone, we thank you so much for listening in. Mm-hmm. And the gospel message is, is very important. I was going to get to that. Yeah. But we do want to remind you that we want you to share that gospel message, to send it out to everyone you can. Um, don't forget, we are on all the major podcast platforms. You can share it from whatever podcast platform you're listening to. Please do, because time is running out. Mm -hmm. That's one thing we understand as premillennials. There's an urgency to share the gospel. Oh, yeah. Second thing is... Um, you can sh share the post from our Facebook page at Fig Tree Watchers. Um, we have a group that you can join. You can chat. You can ask us questions. We respond. You can join us on Telegram. You can join us on Instagram. Yep. Um, you can share join us. there. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we want you to do that. Yeah. And now, Io, would you pray a blessing over everyone and, and see whatever you else you want to say in the last few minutes. Yeah, yeah. I'll just end off with the gospel message and we'll close out with prayer as well, guys. Because again, as we always say, we, we wrap up these messages. We do these messages, whether it's current events, uh, whether it's the Ephesians study, whatever we talk about concerning the Bible, we also, we always want to bring it to Christ, right? Um, so again, the purpose of this is to bring you to a deeper understanding of scripture, to point you to Christ, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. Um, so we pray that if you are listening to this and you're not a believer, um, to take what we're saying seriously, because again, after this, we're going to start going to end times eschatology. We're going to talk about the seal judgments, trump judgment, bowl judgments. We talk about those things for the edification of the believer uh, to deepen their knowledge, but also for the non-believer to say, hey, these things are real. They're literal. They're going to literally happen in the future. We do not want you to go through them. So therefore believe in Christ now so you can participate in 
the pre-trip rapture, right? Which is true, which we can which we can hang our hat on, so to speak. It's we can be confident about it. Um, so that's the that's the encouragement I want to give you there too, to trust in uh, Jesus Christ's uh, saving work, to believe that He died for your sins, was buried on the third day, rose again. If you believe in that, you'll be saved. You'll be sealed um, forever. So, and then you know, Lord willing, if if you live long enough to, if we are the rapture generation, Lord willing, we believe so. Uh, you won't go through the tribulation. You'll be raptured up before that. And that's the encouragement I want to leave for you. So I will just close this off in prayer tonight as well. And we'll uh, see you guys uh, on the next episode. So Father, we just thank you uh, for your word. We just thank you uh, that we can believe in what it says, Lord, that you are literal, that because of the uh, prophecies concerning Christ's second coming, that they were literally fulfilled. We can believe in the prophecies of the second coming of Christ that they will be literally fulfilled as well. Uh, so we just pray for those who are watching this, they're believers, that they're encouraged by this, that their knowledge of Scripture is deepened. And for those who don't believe in your Son yet, that they are pointed to Christ, and that when they hear the gospel, uh, they believe the Lord. We just pray that your Holy Spirit stirs in their hearts as well. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll catch you guys on the next episode. Hey, thanks for listening to Fig Tree Watchers. We really enjoy that you are with us tonight. May God bless you and keep you and strengthen you as you go out and live a life in Christ Jesus. Good night, everyone.